Have you ever thought about some one or perhaps several of the church's teachings? That's hard. That doesn't seem right. It seems impossible. It seems offensive or bad. Some of you may have experienced this in the past, this reaction. Some of you might be experiencing it right now. Even as you're present at Mass, within your heart or your mind, there may be some one or more teachings you've had that reaction to. And probably all of you know some people who maybe aren't here at Mass who've had that reaction as well. Now, if you have reacted that way at some point, you're in good company. Because as we heard in the Gospel reading, people reacted that way when Jesus himself taught them certain things. They had that reaction. That seems hard. That seems shocking. But as we saw, their response went two completely different ways. So we have arrived at the fifth of our five Sundays, working through the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 6. And this is the part where the people respond. In the previous four sections, we have heard that Jesus did many things, said many things. But now we find out how people are going to respond to him. We remember that the chapter began as he miraculously multiplied just five loaves and two fish to feed a crowd of perhaps as many as 20,000 people. Amazing. The next day, the crowd came looking for him, hoping he would do it again. And he then began this discourse trying to move them, to show them, look, here's what this miracle shows you about me, who I am, and about what I want to do for you. I am the living bread come down from heaven, and I want to give you life, both eternal life, but also beginning right now, abundant life now. I want to give this to you. And then he brought them last week the particular focal point of that gift as he said, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. I will give you my flesh to eat. And this is what they're reacting to. Remember last week, in my homily, we took time to address that question they asked. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? We saw that he gave the answer sometime later in the Eucharist, when he established that sacrament so that his priests would be able to take bread and wine and speak the words of institution that he himself had spoken, and he would transform these things into himself, into his body and blood, even though there's no change to their appearance or their texture or their taste. This was how he would give us his flesh to eat. We explained all that last week. He didn't explain it at all that day. Didn't explain it. They asked the question, he didn't answer it. What he did was he underlined it. Yes, really, Really, my flesh is true food. Really, my blood is true drink. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no blood, you have no life within you. He made sure they understand that he meant what he said, and he didn't explain it at all. So they're stuck with this strange and even offensive thing that they have heard him say 
but they don't understand. And we notice in today's reading that as he sees them beginning to react against this, he in a sense gives them a hint of the kind of explanation that's coming. This is where we hear him say, it is the spirit that gives life while the flesh is of no avail. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And here's what I think he's saying when he says that. He's saying, okay, you all know, they knew, we know, how it normally works with food. It's a very day-by-day, labor-intensive process. You plow, you plant, you water, you weed, you fertilize, you harvest, you process, you distribute, you cook, you serve, you clean up the dishes. Day-by-day, work, work, work. There's only so much of it and it's gone. Okay, that's the world of the flesh. It's the world they knew, it's the world we know. As if he's saying, look, do you remember what I did yesterday? You don't start with five loaves and two fish and feed more than a couple people. But I fed 20,000 because I brought something new in here, a new form of power, a new form of life, and we busted out all the limits. And that little bit of food was able to feed this whole huge group of people. That's spirit and life. So when I tell you I'm going to feed you with my flesh and blood, don't interpret it according to the normal limitations of the physical world because I have something completely new. I'm not going to explain yet, but you should know that I can do it in a way that won't be a problem, but it'll be amazing. I think he's sort of hinting at that. Nevertheless, as we saw, Some of them found it impossible to accept his words and left him behind and didn't follow him anymore. While others, including the twelve, continued to follow him. Two different reactions. Why? What was the difference between these two groups of people? There's a lot of things about them that were the same. We notice that among those who left, it says some of his disciples left. These weren't just the crowd. So it means when you look at these two groups, they both included his disciples. They'd met him. They'd gotten to know him. They had listened to his words. They saw what he did. They saw his deeds of power. They decided to follow him. They knew him. They all had that in common. The other thing it seems they all had in common was they all found this saying, I will give you my flesh to eat and my blood to drink. Hard to understand and problematic. All of them had these two things in common. So what made the difference? One part of the people said, I trust myself more than Jesus, so I can't accept what he said or follow him anymore. The other group of people said, I trust Jesus more than myself. So I'm going to believe that even though I don't understand it yet, that what he's telling me is true and good, and one day I'll understand it, and I'll keep following him. It comes down to something as simple as that, doesn't it? When there's this contradiction between the good, wise, powerful God-man that we know Jesus to be, and our own sense 
of the problem of what he's saying. Are we going to trust him more than ourselves? Are we going to trust ourselves more than him? And so thinking of that crowd on that day, what can we do when now we have the reaction that some one or more teachings of Christ's church are, are wrong or bad? We have that reaction that's natural. But what can we then do? Three things. The first is to make sure that we know Jesus. Not just know about him, and definitely not just go through some motions without even knowing about him. First of all, we need to make sure that we've, we've read and studied the Gospels, and that we know the words that he spoke and the deeds that he did during his years of earthly ministry. And having known him in that way, then we need to make sure that we've met him. In times like the Mass, prayer, maybe a retreat, or Eucharistic adoration, that we have met him himself now. And that we spend time with him. First, we need to know him. Secondly, with regard to the teaching that we're having this reaction against, first we need to find out what it is. It is very possible, even probable, that the teaching you think you're objecting to in your mind, you at least partially misunderstand. Maybe somebody informed you incorrectly. Or maybe you're going off an understanding that you're carrying from back when you were 13. Have you grown in your ability to understand since that point? You have. And maybe you need to take a new look with all the power and maturity you bring with you and see whether it turns out the teaching is a little different than you thought the last time you looked at it. What a tragedy it would be to reject something that the church didn't even teach. So you need to investigate and find out really what is Christ's church's teaching on this point. Third, having then clarified what it is, and if you still have that reaction to some part of the true teaching, then you need to make the choice like the twelve made. As they essentially said, this teaching, I don't understand it, it doesn't seem right, it goes against, I have this reaction against it, but you know what? I know you, Jesus, and I know that it must be true, and it must be good, and if I stick with you, I'll come to discover that for myself. So stick with him, and especially come to talk to a priest, or go to a class, or read some more, and find out now that you've found out what the true teaching is, what does it mean? What's the explanation? What's the reasons why it's true and good? We need to know Jesus. We need to find out what the teaching is, and then we need to come to find out why it's true and good. The twelve made the choice on that day to stick with Jesus. And the day would come when they would be at the Last Supper. And they would not only learn what he meant, but they would receive for the first time what he was talking about, himself, his own body and blood, and then they would go out and be his priests and give that gift to other people. All of this lay ahead of them. But on 
that day, they said, and may we say with them, Master, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life.